the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed exactly that, and good morning to you, Doc. Thank you for joining us on this Free for All Friday edition of The Authority. It is the sixth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, I, just, I want to follow up on this, because TJ's call just, uh, you know, it, it got me going. We, we, we have to, we just have to be better than the people that we're trying to defeat. I don't know why this is so hard. I don't. We have to be better than the Democrats. We cannot deify our guy and then rip them for deifying theirs. It, it just, it's just pointless. It's senseless. We have to be better than that. We have to acknowledge that our uh, favorite politicians, elected officials, leaders, etc., etc., are humans and who are fallible, and they make mistakes. And we have to be allowed to call them out on it without trying to defend the in, the, the indefensible. It's just it's just dumb. It just doesn't make sense. And I see people online doing it right now. Like I said, I, there's two things that need to be said here. One, Trump screwed up. And then screwed up worse by doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on it by creating a, a fake map by drawing an extra uh, sharpie cone, if you will, you know, uh, uh, an outer band to show that see this is reaching up into Alabama. Uh, it, it, that was the first mistake. Second mistake was, like I said, doubling, tripling down on it. Um, but the the third mistake or the other mistake I should say is is the left is going crazy over it as if sharpie gate is a thing, as if this matters to anybody. It shouldn't matter to anybody. Laugh at them, make fun of them, which you're going to do, but then it's over. And they're trying to turn it into some sort of a national crisis that the president, uh, uh, you know, first of all got the hurricane projected path wrong and then tried to show a map proving he was right when the map showed he wasn't right, so he changed it. 
by putting a Sharpie line on it. The idea that we're discussing, quote, Sharpie gate is so insane. And, 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 and yet, here we sit, because A, the left won't leave it alone, and B, Trump defenders won't just say, yeah, this was, uh, he stepped in a pile of it here. He did. We're allowed to say that. The left would never say that about Barack Obama. The left would never acknowledge his mistakes, massive as they were. He was perfect. And if you think otherwise, you're a racist. Because he's our first black president. I'm not going to do that. We shouldn't do that. We can and do support our president pretty much 24-7, 365. The once in a blue moon that we have to say, now the president stepped in it here. It shouldn't be cause for a, you know some sort of massive infighting. Just say it. He screwed up. He screwed up on the projection, should have said, you know what, I thought that's what it was going to do. It isn't going to do that. The experts have told me what it's going to do, and uh, we stand prepared to aid and assist everybody who is affected by this hurricane wherever it hit, if it hits. I don't care if it hits in Alabama or the Carolinas or uh, the, the, uh, uh, anywhere in the eastern seaboard. I don't care if it moves all the way inland and hits uh, you know, uh, uh, Dubuque, Iowa. The point is we're going to be ready for, for it no matter where it is. How about we say that? We don't have a problem. Just it's just unnecessary. It really is unnecessary. All right, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Let me go to Tanya in Akron. Tanya, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good morning. Go right ahead. Hello, Bob. Um, Hello, I agree Tanya. with a lot of things you say, and I agree with the president a lot of times. But he was wrong. I agree that uh, one thing. I'm, I'm. I get the dentist, and I hear part where you're just beat up on. Like, okay, let's get over that. Tanya, I'm terribly sorry. Tanya, Tanya, hold on. Tanya, hold on a second, because your phone interrupted and had some static there, and I couldn't hear what you just said. Could you say that again, please? Okay. I get out of the dentist, and I hear your conversation with the guy, and you're beating up on him. I'm like, oh, my goodness, okay? President was wrong, okay? No doubt. The media is wrong. No doubt. Amen. I'm at a point now where I'm like, we're taking up baseball bats to kill freaking flies. Kill it with a uh, fly swatter and leave it alone. Okay? We're saying that the president, you know, he shouldn't have done it. We need to get over it. Don't let the media keep beating them up over it because we're saying these freaking experts. How many jokes do we make about meteorologists that if they're right, they get, they, they're great from God, and if they're wrong, they blame it on God? Come on, let's get over it. One guy, an American soldier, was killed today, and we're still negotiating with the Taliban. Why don't we change the freaking subject and talk about the important things? That is such a very that is such a very good point, by the way. Especially when you bring it bring it to the level of you know what happened in Afghanistan. Uh, you're 100 percent right, and and you're right. And, and all I want to do is what I said in the first segment of the show. I spent about four or five minutes on it. I played a couple of clips of the lunatic media ripping him for it, saying he committed a felony. He can't do that. He's a fountain of misinformation. Just say this: 
Trump was wrong. The media is wrong to overreact to it. To it, let's move on. And instead, we got defenders coming out. No, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. I thought it was going to be this way too. Uh, no, he was wrong. And the idiots who are trying to beat him up and try to, to you know, uh, remove him from office over it need to shut up too. Let's let's move on to more important things. I could not yeah, agree. We with need you to more. move on to more. You know, there's a. There, I just would advise people. The Earl Nightingale, great. You know, guy from the 1950s wrote a, you know, has a, a, a YouTube video on conversations with the devil, okay, and how he, the devil is going to distract us. I'm not calling anybody a devil. Get over it, you know. But I'm saying distraction. We are all being distracted over these little gnats, and the, and the bigger animals are coming to attack us. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. You can agree with them. Trump is not a saint. When he's wrong, we need to be able to say he's wrong. But we don't need to, to say he's wrong. We don't need to treat our wrong like the liberals treat our wrong because they don't ever do that to their own. No, and they and they well they okay. won't even call. They, they won't even they won't even they, won't, they don't just they treat them call. a certain way. They don't acknowledge that they exist, and that's what makes yeah, us better than them. we're better. We're better than that. We acknowledge our we the most of us acknowledge when. Our our side is wrong. Our children are wrong. Everyone else is wrong. But we don't. We give grace and we move on. What I'm not liking is that we want to say there was wrong, and then we want to say it. You know, it gives us a moral high ground. We don't have a moral high ground. I just think that we need to call a spade a spade. Mm, we might disagree on. there, Tanya. Tanya, move we might and, disagree and, there. I feel like we do have a moral high ground. Those of us, at least on the conservative side, I do. I, 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 I firmly believe that most of what's wrong with the left is immorality. Most of the decisions I, I, they make, I, I, most of the policies okay. they, they support made, are, are not moral. And I feel like we do okay. have a moral high ground. That's why we fight okay. so hard. Okay. I, I, okay. I'm, I do agree with you on that. I misspoke on saying that. Okay. What I'm saying is that we need to take a little bit more care in how we treat each other. Okay. They don't care how they treat us. We need to take time and figure out, even if we have people that, you know, are doing things that we don't totally agree with because they, we need to educate them or hold them, let bring some, you know, bring some light to what they're doing. We don't need to beat up on our own. And I think what we end up doing is we beat up on our own so much that they go hiding and then they, they don't feel safe with us. They can't feel safe with the other side. And then that's when it's almost like gang mentality. If you don't get love at home and you don't get love from any of the other organizations that are born there to, to take care of you, you go to those other people from the far left and the far right. And what they start sounding like is sounding good. Take care of Let's I think it's an interesting analogy, uh, Tanya. I got to run here. I think it's an interesting analogy. The gang mentality. She's talking about uh, young, you know, at-risk youth who don't find family at home. They don't really have that family feeling, and the first time they feel cared about or or supported or defended is with you know gangs, uh, and they become their family. I, I don't think uh, it's it's a hundred percent accurate though, because we might argue with one another. We might disagree with one another about this, that, or the other thing, but I don't know too many of us who are going to go run into the left saying, well, it's more, it's more hospitable over there. I'll change my entire mindset, my entire worldview, and uh, go join somebody who was uh, on an immoral set. By the way, did you hear what Tanya said? That's all it took from the president. 
She said, okay, no, you know what, you're right, I misspoke. Uh, that's it. He just, all he had to do was say, you know what, you're right, I was wrong. I, I mis uh, I misinterpreted uh, that. I thought it was going to hit down all the way into Alabama. It's not. Uh, so we're good. Uh, it's going to go up the coast, and we're going to support everybody on the coast. That's it. As simply as she said, my bad, I misspoke, the president should have said, my bad, I misspoke. And we're done. Now this is not a story. Right back after this. All right, 1022, now the Bob France Authority continues. We'll get a few more phone calls in here before the bottom of the hour on a free-for-all day. Let's go to uh, Cuyahoga Falls. That's where Don is hanging out on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Don, go ahead. Hey, Bob, how are you doing this morning? Long Good, time, sometime caller. Well, I'm glad to have uh, you on this morning. Okay, I just, uh, what piqued my interest in your uh, program today was you're going to have this guest on about the Christine Blasey Ford uh, issue that yes. happened last year during the cabinet. Okay. Anyway, to, you know, to me, it, you know, a lot of people have forgotten about this, but that was a, a, just a travesty of justice. And it just enrages me that, uh, you know, the whole thing happened. It was just very obvious that she was being dishonest and, and probably lying. The whole thing was concocted, you know, and with Diane Feinstein. And even back at the time, I think Charles Grassley was questioning what was going on, and he was talking about doing investigations. And here it's coming up again with the book, and you've got, I believe it's Tillis. That, uh, Tom Tillis, yes. Yeah, okay. He's saying, well, we might have to have an investigation. And what frustrates me here is that, you know, nothing happens. Nothing will happen. Uh, we'll talk about it. They'll blow smoke. Uh I'm glad this man has written the book to try to get it out in the light, but I, I just still, it's just so frustrating to me that nothing will happen. She'll slide, she'll skate, she got away with it. Well, she she'll will. She will. You're right. And the, and the reason for that should be obvious, and I'm sure it is to you, because uh, you brought this up. It, you know, you can't prove the negative. This is what we said during the entire affair, the entire uh, confirmation hearings and all of the testimony and so on and so forth. They're demanding that Brett Kavanaugh be treated as guilty until he proves his innocence, which is impossible to do. And so since you can't prove his innocence, because there's no corroborating evidence, you can't prove her guilt. And so she is going to slide. But what they can do is investigate and hopefully make a whole lot of people nervous about trying this stuff again. Um, the fact that, that there was a political motive here, that we knew we were, we had to stop him from, uh, quote, according to the attorney, Katz, taking a scalpel to Roe versus Wade. Uh, we have to stop him. And that's what, quote, partly motivated her so if there's an admission that she was motivated to bring forth you know these allegations which cannot be proven all to stop him from uh taking a seat on the court to achieve a political end of theirs with respect to roe v wade that investigation might make a lot of people in a lot of high places very uncomfortable enough to make sure this doesn't happen again at least that's my hope well that's true and i I hope a lot of people are getting nervous you know especially with the uh Epstein suicide and all that. I, I hope people are sweating out there somewhere, you know. Yeah, you and you and but, me both, Don. Thank you, my man. I appreciate the call. Navy man Norm next. Hi, Norm. Well, you know, it's interesting, Bob, about this so-called Sharpie thing that CNN had a very similar map that showed the storm uh, going into the middle of Mississippi. And uh, Brian Stetler was the one that was putting that nonsense out. So, you know, What's sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. I agree with you 100%. Unfortunately, the president always tries to prove that he's right no matter what. And the case of being humble, I think, and basically having some humble pie and saying, hey, 
I'm sorry, I blew it, I made a mistake, okay? Your conversation with Tanya, the uh, uh, caller, uh, two callers ago, was yeah. phenomenal. I think she should be on your show more often. I hope that she is. is She's great. She I is. love. I love great. Like people like you. You know, I have regulars, obviously, and I and I and I love people who are new voices who should be regular voices because yeah. she's great. We need we need more people like the Tanyas who are God fearing people and who are not afraid to speak their mind. But this this masquerade that CNN and the rest of the fake news media is pulling, and they are fake news, Bob. You and I both know it. Just the way they act. Their entire uh, agenda is to destroy Trump, no matter what. I mean, from day one, they came out against him. They came out against Ivanka's clothing line. They came out against the first lady. No matter what, they they were they're insane, and they remind me of rabid animals. But on that score, well, it's, we it's a pack have... mentality, Norm. In my view, it's a good analogy when you say rabid animals. There's a, there is a pack mentality with them, and once it's kind of like a feeding frenzy. Um, right. and, and you're right. They all have the same agenda, and that is to uh, is to destroy this man any way they can. And again, they tried doing it with the big hammer, Russia collusion. They can't do that. So you know they, they're running out of big things. So they're they're doing death by a thousand cuts. Let's blow this sharpie story up into something huge. Let's blow every little tiny mistake he makes. They blow up. And and my my problem with this is the president needs to stop giving them th- that ammunition too. Just say, oh, I thought it was going here. Instead, it's going there. My bad. We're ready no matter where it hits. That's all he had to do. But he gives them a little bit, and now they want to turn that, and they want to bleed it. They want to bleed it. They want to make as much out of it as they can. And if they get enough of these little cuts, uh, then they hope he'll bleed out, meaning, of course, his presidency. Uh, who's been waiting here? Uh, Gary's next. Gary, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Uh, did you get your question answered? Uh, did Jan get her question answered about the uh, uh, case of carrying guns into uh, places of worship? Or well, I don't think there was a specific. With that? Yeah, I don't think okay, there well, was a specific explain. question. It's each right. church or each building, you know, kind of has their right. own can, decision on it. I can tell you this from the state of Ohio: you cannot enter a place of worship with a CCW or an open carry unless you have permission from the uh, the pastor of that church. Now, if he gives you written permission, you're good to go. Otherwise, you cannot enter a place of worship. So I want to clarify that. Well, bit. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, and the next thing is, the next thing is I wanted to tell you that this whole thing about uh, the Sharpie incident and him doubling down, all that sort of thing. Look, yeah. these people are our enemy. And if you, if, if you say, look, I made a mistake or I was wrong or something like that. Now what happens is they take that. It's, I mean, it's like, you know, feeding Karen to, to the wolf. I mean, they want it's more and more and more and more. And uh, I, that, these people are our enemy. And you can't say you were wrong unless it's, it's uh, you know, you've created a misdemeanor or felony or something. Then you can back down on it. But, you know, look. He, he I disagree, Gary. I disagree. I disagree because it was so minor. It was so minor. If you just say, oops, it's not going there. Maybe it changed trajectory or whatever. And you say, my bad on that. It's not going to Alabama. It's, it's a tiny little thing they'll try to seize upon and they'll look stupid for it. They will do more damage to themselves trying to go after him on something as minor as that, 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 that we, we would be worth it. So they would stop. But when yeah. he doubles and triples and then goes to the map, 
and takes a Sharpie and says, look, it's going to go here. The fourth time down, now they're not going to look stupid for going after him. He's going to look bad for refusing to admit a simple miscalculation. And, and, and that's the key here. It's, it's, do you want to lose little or do you want to lose big? You lose little by saying, oh, I thought it was going to Alabama. It's not. My bad. And everybody yeah. goes away. But you lose big if you say, no, really. No, really. No, those national hurricane forecaster guys who said to me it's not going to touch Alabama, they're wrong. I'm right. You do that, and now you're losing big, Gary. Yeah, Bob, I, I respectfully disagree with you, along with a lot of your other radio listeners. So I'm just, you know, want you to mark me down as someone who disagrees with you. I, 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 you know what? It's, it's fine, Gary, but I, I think I you, I, I think, I think you gotta be able to say that our guy dropped the ball on one. It happens. It happens. He's not perfect as much as we want him to be and as much as we want to defend him because of the accusations of other people against him. If you can't say my guy stepped in a pile of crap on that one, then you got problems. You got problems. I'm not going to be that way. I'll never be that way. I will never be like a liberal. I'm going to admit when my guy screws up because it was such a minor screw up, it ought to be gone by now. He, he, he really you know, escalated it with his refusal to acknowledge it himself. 1031, back after this. Ten thirty six now. The Bob France Authority continues on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. If you're on hold, I'm going to beg your indulgence and ask you to stay there for a little bit while I talk to a guest that I've been telling you about. <clears throat> this is perfectly timely. This book. I don't know if it was intended to be this way or not, but literally just days ago, they tried to destroy his chances of becoming a. Supreme Court Justice, the attorney Deborah Katz acknowledged that part of the motive for her client coming forward with her allegations, false allegations, was political. So that he would always have, quote, an asterisk next to his name. And that, quote, when he takes a scalpel to Roe v. Wade, we will know who he is, know his character, and what motivates him. And that is important. It's important that we know. And that was part of what motivated Christine. These comments were made literally just a couple of days ago, which makes it perfect that just a couple of days ago, uh, this book was, uh, uh, was, uh, released. Joining me now is Ryan Lovelace. He is the author of, uh, Search and Destroy Inside the Campaign Against Brett Kavanaugh. And it has a lot of very important information you're going to want to hear. Uh, Ryan, thanks for the time this morning. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me. Did you know that uh, Katz was going to have an interview in which she was going to admit that uh, political motivate political or politics are what motivated her client to lie about Brett Kavanaugh? Well, there's one thing that I do want to explain about that. The comments that she made uh, were not actually made a couple of days ago; they were made in April. Um, I you know the way this news has come out is through my book. You know, I first reported in this book, which just came out a couple of days ago, and so that's why I've been seeing the stories. Um, you know, and I had shared video that has come out there. But I think that's you know one thing that is uh, really important to this story too is precisely when this happened. Deborah Katz made those comments that you were just relaying in April of this year at a feminist a feminist legal theory conference, specifically about applied feminism and Me Too, about weaponizing the Me Too movement to accomplish through political ends and political means 
what you can't do in a court of law but can do in a court of public opinion. And I'd spent, in reporting out Search and Destroy, you know, months going through her uh, public speak uh, public speaking engagements, attending them myself, reading through her private emails to Senate Democrats and the Senate Republicans, and talking to her adversaries that, you know, square off against her both in a courtroom and not, to try to better understand what it was she was doing. And in that same talk where she made those comments about being motivated by putting an asterisk next to anything Justice Kavanaugh might do about Roe v. Wade, one really important thing that she was saying also was, you can't look to the law in these types of cases. You have to go outside of it and have a press strategy, a legislative strategy, and work with organized forces and nonprofits to accomplish your goal. And that, I think, really reveals what it was that she says motivated her client. That First of all, thank you. That's very important what you just said. I'm glad to get that clarification. My bad on thinking it was just a couple of days ago. It is being reported now, as you pointed out, but it happened in April, so I appreciate that clarification. Um, some are going to immediately, before we get into some of the meat of this, Ryan, some are going to immediately say, well, this guy must be some partisan Republican conservative hack who worked for uh, you know, a, a conservative Republican senator at some point. Uh, I'm looking at your little bio, and... Um, you don't seem to have any of that uh, any of that partisanship in your history. You're a journalist. You covered uh, D.C. for the um, uh, National Law Journal, the American Lawyer. You worked as a Supreme Court reporter for the Washington Examiner. So, do you have a political bent? Uh, and uh, did that drive anything in your book? I do not. And no, um, there's no uh, political bent, and there's no political motivation behind this. You know, from my perspective. I knew that there were going to be a lot of people trying to define Justice Kavanaugh and Christine Blasey Ford and what was going on. And so what I wanted to do was to provide information and not affirmation. You know, we're coming up on a year anniversary of these hearings, and so a lot of folks are going to be telling people what to believe. And I really wanted to show them what happened that they weren't privy to, that people never bothered looking into, and then allow folks to decide for themselves. You know, in this book, Search and Destroy, one of the things that I do when I'm quoting from a private email that hasn't been published before now, I don't quote from the full thing in the book because then it would slow things down. But if folks want to read the full email in its entire context, it's published in the back of the book so that it can't even be seen as taking it out of context. I went to you know great lengths to do that um, to try to remove myself from any kind of claims of political bias one way or the other because it's always impossible to say how people might read things. But I thought it was really important to approach this and answer some of the questions that many journalists never bothered asking. You know, we were told... Uh, you know, Christine Blasey Ford said, she testified that she couldn't precisely say when her allegations, the alleged event occurred with Justice Kavanaugh. She couldn't say when it happened. She couldn't say precisely where it happened. The only person that can say what happened is her because no one else has been able to corroborate it. But she knew why, you know, she was motivated by her civic duty. But the first people to, you know, she contacted were the Washington Post. You know, I published her encrypted messages in the back of the book as well for people to look those before Justice Kavanaugh was uh, even nominated. You know, she contacted the Post. That caused me to wonder what was really going on here. And now when we discover that Deborah Katz, her attorney, says, well, actually, she was motivated in part by Roe v. Wade and the issue of legalized abortion, I think it begins to shed some light on the things that so many in the press hadn't bothered looking into at the time, and I think people really need to now. It's a great answer, and I'm glad I asked, and I'm glad you did what you did by putting all of the full context in the uh, in the back of the book, so that nobody can accuse you of having a, a bias. I have a bias. I'm a partisan conservative. I uh, was just um, 
uh, enraged, essentially, by what they were doing to Brett Kavanaugh, and I want to see justice be done, and I want to see the facts come out, and they best come out from someone like you than someone like me, because I, again, have that bias, and you don't, and yet our you know, I think the results of what we, uh, what we, what we see here are, are going to be very much the same. Now, you chose the title Search and Destroy Inside the Campaign Against Brett Kavanaugh. And that, of course, is taken from his own testimony when he, uh, when he scolded the liberal Democrats on that panel saying, you have replaced advice and consent with search and destroy. This is exactly what it was. We know what Kavanaugh, or excuse me, Blase Ford's motives were in part because of what we just discussed. Um, is it just as simple for what motivated the actual liberal Democrats, or was it just we have to deny Trump his choice because of what they did to us when we wanted to have Merrick Garland appointed? Well, I think it was bigger than that, but I think you hit on something very important, too, um, you know, with Merrick Garland's appointment. No, that's really when a lot of this started. We've seen in the first two years of the president of President Trump's administration you know, with each of his Supreme Court picks, when he first picked Justice Gorsuch, who's now Justice Gorsuch, he appointed him, uh, you know, folks said he sits in a stolen seat. The left was saying he sits in a stolen seat, it belonged to Merrick Garland, President Obama's pick. And, you know, now it's, there's an effort from the left to say there's an asterisk next to Justice Kavanaugh's name. And the left has said that it's doing this particularly because it's trying to delegitimize uh, the authority and credibility of these justices on the court and any rulings they might have. And I really think, you know, it's important to examine that because if people lose faith and confidence in these institutions, and in particular the Supreme Court, you know, all hell will break loose. That's a very great point. Um, as it as it pertains to uh, Merrick Garland, obviously that was the Gorsuch seat, and then they did what they did to Brett Kavanaugh. Is this just going to be the future of Supreme Court nominations? Is it always going to be tit for tat? The ne- I mean, I don't know if the president's going to have another opportunity to nominate before 2020 or not. Probably not. If he goes to 2024, he probably will. Will we see repeats of the Kavanaugh uh, uh, experience uh, for each nomination subsequent to this? I think we could, and I truthfully think it's only going to get worse. Uh, I think if we look back, we've seen now for quite some time how things have progressed. Um, you know, some folks in talking and reporting out this book and talking to folks, they trace it back to uh, Judge Bork's nomination when Borking became a verb of how to try to take down a judge, a judicial nominee, or to Justice Thomas's experience in Senate Judiciary Committee hearings more than 20 years ago now. And, you know, one of the parallels between, you know, Justice Thomas's experience in Justice Kavanaugh's, you know, Justice Thomas, um, you know, conservative talk radio existed at the time, but beyond that, there was no Fox News, there wasn't cable news, and there wasn't really the Internet. Justice Kavanaugh existed in a new media environment that allowed some of these allegations to kind of spread like wildfire before anyone even bothered looking into what the veracity was, whether who was making them and why they were being made. And I think what we've seen as each of these nominations have progressed even between Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh, just one year apart, there's new groups springing up on the left. One of them is called Demand Justice. It's led by a former Hillary Clinton campaign flack named Brian Fallon. And he, before Kavanaugh was even nominated, announced that his group had intentions to spend $5 million to oppose whoever President Trump would have picked. And they've now gotten involved in the 2020 race to ensure that Democrats are on board with his agenda and also, you know, spread ideas about reforming the court, whether that means adding more justices to it or 
trying to push a political agenda about who's already on. We are talking with Ryan Lovelace. He is the author of a new book, uh, literally just out this week. It's uh, called Search and Destroy Inside the Campaign Against Brett Kavanaugh. Um, Ryan, you, you have in the book what is described as explosive evidence, including never-before-seen video footage that you describe in the book, proving that preserving Roe v. Wade was the motive behind it all. We have one thing, which is just the comment by Deborah Katz that I mentioned and that you followed up on. What other, quote, explosive evidence do you cover in this book that proves that? Well, in going through the book, you know, I rely upon people in Christine Blasey Ford's orbit, um, her own comments and testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee, her resume, and uh, the growing legal team around her. So Deborah Katz was her attorney that was first there with her in the summer, but as we moved closer to the hearings, then outside folks also started to join on in addition to her. Um, we saw folks from SKD Knickerbocker. That's a PR firm here in Washington that has a very well-known reputation among Democrats and has done work with them in the past. Um, there's uh, lawyers that were involved in the Clinton administration that were involved in the Anita Hill uh, controversy against Justice Thomas that were involved in preparing her as well so that knew precisely how to address certain things and things like that. And in looking at Christine Blasey Ford's own resume, um, you know, she has in the past, um, you know, talked about, you know, her teaching with Stanford and all the rest of it. And one of the things that this book does is it examines her work history uh, for a company that's called Corsep Therapeutics. And their only drug, its active ingredient, is mifepristone, which is better known as the abortion drug. And mm-hmm. there's been some questions about their business practices. They don't directly deal with Christine Blasey Ford's time when she was employed there. When she was employed there, the U.S. Senate did investigate her employer. Um, whether or not the alleged business practices that are under uh, scrutiny now have to do with anything uh, that she directly dealt with is not known at this point. A lot of this is coming out um, You know that I found in a class action lawsuit filed by the investors for the company. We know had a vested interest in succeeding just the same goals that she had. So it's really something that's developing now and we're watching closely. And, you know, I think it kind of speaks to more about precisely how the issue of abortion played into uh, this entire story. Fascinating. I, I, I cannot wait to see all of the details that you've uncovered here. I've only been given a sneak peek. Uh, search and destroy. Pulling back the curtain on the left's plot to advance their agenda at any cost. This is uh, Search and Destroy by Ryan Lovelace. Uh, and again, it's told from the viewpoint uh, of uh, not a partisan conservative uh, Trump supporter but a veteran award-winning journalist, a legal journalist, uh, who has no uh, political motivations here whatsoever, just reporting the facts, and this is exactly what was needed. And it's perfect that it is, by the way, one year, almost to the day, uh, that uh, these uh, 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 confirmation hearings or search-and-destroy hearings were held last fall. Uh, Ryan, I wish you the very best of luck with the book. I thank you so much for coming on and giving us a little taste of it, and uh, uh, hopefully we can chat again. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Ryan Lovelace, that book is Search and Destroy. Cannot recommend it strongly enough. Admittedly, I've only read a few excerpts of it, uh, but uh, I can't wait to read the rest of it because it looks like uh, exactly what we needed to know. 10.50, we'll get a quick time out. Come back and get the rest of these phone calls on a free-for-all Friday. Last segment next, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. She hears only whispers of some quiet conversation. She's 
10.54, got final segment on the Bob France Authority for this hour, final segment for this program, and in fact, it's the final segment of the week. Let's make it count here. i got three good calls we're going to entertain here. Charlie in Cleveland, you're up. Charlie, go right ahead. Hey, Bob, good morning. How are you? Good, sir. What's on your mind? Good. Uh, so, about these red flag laws, I just wanted to get out there that uh, this Saturday and next Saturday... We, a uh, big group of us, are going down to one Capitol Square, Columbus, at the Ohio State House uh, to voice our opposition to these unconstitutional red flag laws. Uh, this weekend, this, this Saturday, is going to be from noon to four. And next sat- and, uh, is kind of uh, hosted by some individuals in the state. Next Saturday uh, is going to be from 1130 to 130. And uh, that one is hosted by Ohio gun owners and uh, Ohioans for conceal and carry. Um, we need as many people down there as we can because, you know, as you know, these, these laws violate at least six constitutional amendments that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, and, and we don't want them in the state of Ohio. Charlie, I could not agree with you more. Real quick, are you? Uh, is everybody on their own, or is there going to be a caravan following one another down? That sort of thing. Uh, you know, if you check out the uh, the, face, the Facebook events page um, for each event, one is labeled as Americans Against Red Flag Laws, okay. and the other one is uh, the 2009 excuse me 2019 Gun Rights Rally Against Gun Control at the State House. That's what um, I was looking for, to are, see if there's any coordination among people. There. Yes, Charlie, there. I got a jet because I got other people. Thanks for the call. Uh, but that's what I wanted to find out so people can get together. Uh, Dave in Cleveland next. Dave, go ahead. Yeah, Bob, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller, 40 years, retired from law enforcement recently regarding the red flag laws. I don't think people realize, but I know in my career there were often times when we would go to a domestic or what we call a psych situation, And if there was a possibility of violence, guns would be confiscated and uh, held on to by the police until that person went to court, the case was adjudicated, or what have you. And frequently, guns were forfeited. And so these red flag laws, to some extent, are in place uh, and being used by law enforcement. uh, and, And no law enforcement agency worth its salt when they come into a potentially violent situation uh, would allow those guns to stay on premises just because of the liability aspect that falls right. on the city or the law enforcement officer. And you, um, you also talked about the mentally ill and dealing with them. And, you know, it frequently falls on law enforcement to have to deal with these situations. And as a young officer in the 70s and 80s, you know, if we could show a clear-cut uh, threat to themselves or other people, it was fairly easy, you know, on an affidavit to get a person at least for a psych evaluation i found that in the 90s things changed and even had situations where people who clearly said they wanted to hurt themselves i had er personnel yelling at me telling me you know you you can't bring this person here things have gotten much better since then you know and prior to my uh, leaving law enforcement but David, I need to jump in because I'm short on time. I want to say, first of all, thank you for your service, your entire career. Uh, I'm glad you retired safely from law enforcement, uh, and I appreciate the information on these red flag laws and how they are kind of already being implemented. I will hope to hear from you again another time when I have more time to talk to you. I do want to leave a few seconds here for Frank and Brooke Park. Frank, go ahead, sir. 
Thank you. Yep, tomorrow, uh, first Saturday, we're at the Benedictine Abbey with prayers at 8.30 a.m. we begin. And then at 9.15, we go down to the abortion chamber on Shaker Boulevard. That's at 29th, and the Abbey, the Benedictine Abbey, is at, if you're going up Buckeye Road East, it's the highest point of Buckeye Road. You make a right turn on the Martin Luther King Boulevard, which is just 300 feet from the intersection of Buckeye let me repeat that, Frank. Let me repeat that because I'm out of time here. Uh, Benedictine Abbey at 8.30, then to the abortion chamber for uh, for prayers and protests. Uh, just prayers, really. Uh, thank you so much for all that you do. Thanks, everybody, for a great show today. Mike Gallagher is next. We'll see you Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.